Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. But the Bulls get it done. Great job by the Bulls. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 123-110. The Bulls improved to 7-8, and 5-5 on the road. They've won three straight over Dallas, Houston, and now Charlotte. Chuck Swirsky highlights courtesy of us. We're the score. We're your home for Bulls basketball. The mightiest team in the NBA right now. Two games out of the number two playoff seed. Shouldn't be long now. We go to the guest hotline brought to you by Alpamani Nissan and we bring in the soon-to-be-famous as well as infamous host of the Bears pregame and postgame. He's all hoops and all food. We'll discuss all of that with him. He Bears. is Rick Camp. Rick Camp, that was the best ball movement I've seen on the Bulls. I haven't seen every game. You have. That was the best ball movement I've seen. It was absolutely spectacular. What did you think? It really was. You can tell with every passing game now that they're having some more success, and not just offensively, but with getting wins, that more and more guys are buying in. And you also see the vision that Arturis Karnaschovas has with the type of system that he wants the Bulls to run. He said he wanted them to be fast-paced. They're second in pace right now in the NBA. Uh, Obviously, there's still plenty of room to grow, offensively and especially defensively. But in terms of going from NBA laughingstock to respectable team that might actually have some semblance of a future, this is about as good of an opening stretch as you could ask for for the Bulls. No doubt. And by the way, Steve Rosenblum, you suck because you referred to Rick Camp as the Bears pre and post game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. I wasn't going to let you get away with that. You know, I think we do suck. Yeah. Yeah, you suck. You no, suck. At least, so let's, knows, let's get... at least Rick knows what days to show up. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, if there's yeah. a Bulls game, show up. Or if we kindly ask you to be on our show, show up. All yeah. right, Campy. Campy, you know the guy that I'm zeroed in on always is Patrick Williams. He had just four points last night. Why was Patrick Williams so hesitant to shoot those shots from the corner last night? Yeah, it was really weird because he's been less hesitant over the last few games. So I found that a little bit odd because... Like I figured he was going to have a decent game because Charlotte allows the highest percentage of corner three-point shots in the entire league. Hmm. So I figured, okay, that meant a guy like Patrick Williams, a guy like Garrett Temple, was going to have a good amount of corner three opportunities. And yeah, he was just really hesitant. There were a couple times where you could tell he was just thinking. And then he went to his default, which is the 
pump fake, left hand dribble one or two times, and then make a decision from there, whether it's to go up with a floater, jumper, or make another pass. And more often than not, he was going up to make another pass, but that part was really weird. But, I mean, he's still, as much as, you know, he's had those tough matchups, I mean, Gordon Hayward uh, had a really good night. Yeah. So not the best game on the whole for Patrick Williams, but the Bulls' defensive issues are never centered around one guy. As much as, you know, sometimes the broadcast may want to make it seem like that, it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's the one guy? How, how do they frame it? What do you mean by that? Well, a lot of times Stacy has mentioned on the TV broadcast uh-huh. that like Wendell Carter's not coming up enough and not closing the Uh, space enough when they're in drop coverage defensively. And that's not his role. Like um, now there, mind you, there are times where I believe in his drop, he starts at about the right spot, but he backpedals to his end spot, the furthest spot he should go back to quickly. And he takes some of the pressure off of the ball handler on the other team. However, the main issue with the drop coverage for the bulls is the guard that's getting screened needs to be able to get through the screen better. That's why, like, in Milwaukee, their drop coverage is so good. Yes, because Brooke Lopez is really good at it, but also because think about the types of guards they've had. Drew Holiday now, Eric Bledsoe before, those are bigger, bulkier guards who can work through some physicality and stay on the hip of their of the guard so that way there's pressure from both sides so that you're hopefully forcing the guard into making a decision to either shoot along to a tough floater or make a tough pass. That's the whole goal of it. So Wendell Carter's goal, or whoever is at center, whether it's Thad Young, even though they play a little bit of different coverages with Thad Young, uh, they, they'll hedge or be a little bit more aggressive with him, is to not let anybody get to the rim. First and foremost, no shots at the rim. The Bulls have been top 10 in not allowing shots at the rim so far this year and forcing that ball handler to make a decision in that middle area where the shots are a little bit tougher and they don't get that extra point like with the three. So it's just kind of understanding the, the uh, philosophy of what they're trying to do because I'm sure to a lot of guys that played before, it looks kind of weird to be giving up that much ground. Talking with Rick Camp, he's the host of the Bulls. I said Bulls, pregame, postgame shows here on the score, talking hoops. Bulls have won three in a row. So it seemed to me, and I don't have numbers, I didn't. I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's metrics, but the, the Hornets had a lot of open shots that they just missed. Or maybe it was just magnified in the fourth quarter where they had a lot of opportunities and they were just an awful shooting team. Or is it the Bulls playing defense? Or a little of both? A little bit of both. Uh, The Bulls, especially some individual efforts, I saw more moments of Zach Levine playing solid defense than I've seen in a while. Now, mind you, it was on-ball defense, which is always where he has a better chance because it's off-ball, which is where he seems to kind of wander a little bit. When he's on-ball, though, he can rely more on his physicality, but he's also playing smarter defensively. Uh, the Bulls, there's a one way you can kind of look at, not specifically for the Charlotte game, but just on the whole of types of shots teams give up. There's, uh, It's called uh, location effective field goal percentage, and this is on uh, cleaningtheglass.com, which is a great resource. The Bulls are basically a league average defense in terms of types of shots that they give up, location of where those shots occur. Ooh. Now, they've actually been 
pretty they they allow a good percentage of shots to be made in the corners and in in the corners and then in mid range. They're actually bottom three in terms of opponent shooting percentage in the mid range and also at the corner three. So when they allow those shots, a lot of them are going in. Could some of that be just luck? Absolutely. Some of it could also be how far, how open those shots are. So Garrett Temple last night hit a few big threes in the third quarter. He had 15. Otto Porter scored 13. Denzel Valentine, 8. Thad Young, 8. Rick Camp, are we seeing the return of the bench mob to the Chicago Bulls? (laughs) Well, I know on Twitter, Chuck Swirsky is soliciting new names because they don't want to just go with bench mob. But yeah, the bench, the veteran guys on the bench have been really, really good this year. And I think that's part of where some of the philosophical questions coming later in this year uh, really center around because it's how much of this success is due to your young guys versus how much of it is due to these veterans that really aren't part of your future. Right. And I think that's going to be a tough evaluation for our turners, Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley to have to make when it comes to the late March uh, trade deadline and what yeah. you're going to do with where this team is, because you mentioned Garrett Temple when he's since he's been back from COVID, he's been fantastic. Uh, Thaddeus Young, in terms of the ball movement that Steve was talking about earlier, Thaddeus Young has been so huge for that offensively when he's been in with Wendell Carter out yesterday. He was doing a lot more of the uh, facilitating offense from around the elbows. He was doing a really good job of that. And just he always gets the ball moving. If he doesn't have something, he knows where to make the right pass and just hope that everybody else knows where to make their next pass. But (laughs) he's been really good with that. And when Otto Porter's been healthy and out there, uh, he's been good as well. But when you look at some of these uh, on-off numbers, it's the starting unit doesn't do near as well as the bench does. The Bulls bench helps make up some of the difference, but that also makes sense because with most teams, your vets are starting and your younger guys are coming off the bench where the Bulls have that inverted. So it's the evaluation of, do we keep these guys for this stretch run uh-huh. and help this team maybe get into the play-in and you know have the right to get waxed by either Brooklyn or Milwaukee God. in the first round? That's or such a great you, conundrum, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, or, or I do mean, you sorry to interrupt them. you, but it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah cause, so there's a scenario where the Bulls are like a 500 team or a game or two over and everything feels good, like we feel good today, and then Karnaschovic just kind of pulls it out from under him. Even, even the possibility of one of the, the core guys being trapped, Zach Levine being trapped. So there is that scenario. I think Bulls fans could handle that, don't you, Rick, at this point? Or do you think there's Bulls fans are going to be like, why would you stop the progress of this year? There would be plenty of people that would be furious because they, they're actually seeing uh, real NBA basketball this year, and which they have not seen in the past. Which, by the <laughs> way, when's Jim? Bo- why does Jim Boylan not have a weekly appearance on this show? I think he's earned it. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> You're right. Jim if you Boylan build it, they Jim, will come. Yeah, Jim, Jim We need Boylan to keep playing, playing the way we're playing. Get on it, studs. Every week we want Jim Boylan to be our Bulls expert. Yeah. Okay, we'll have a, a weekly stupid. spot. I'm down. Yeah. Good. So, I it, in that vein, I don't see how you could improve your draft spot enough to make it to to overcome the idea of not giving Kobe White and Patrick Williams for starters playoff experience. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of that's part of the question is how much and, and I wouldn't even think this would be necessarily purely for draft position. It would also be to build up their asset base because you see what a star is getting traded for now. And I'm not talking like, you know, so just if he like is that guy a star real legit stars are getting traded for a boatload of picks along with young players. Or it could even be the insignia with the Drew Holiday trade, who's Drew Holiday is a really nice player, but he's 31 and he's not going to be the best player or maybe even second best player on a title team. Just the insinuation that you being traded could bring someone else with or keep someone there. We're talking multiple firsts, multiple swaps, young players. So I could understand too, even if, Karnaschovas is bullish on this team, and I pardon the pun there, and I realized it as I was saying it, and I hate myself for it. Uh, <laughs> we love that, you, Rick. Yeah. yeah, that, you know, maybe he likes this team, but realizes if they want to be able to do something moving forward to make a trade for a Bradley Beal, maybe, who has the past with uh, Billy Donovan from their time in Florida, and Bradley Beal was very was very happy and you know posted on Twitter when uh, Billy Donovan got the job with the Bulls that mm. hey if they don't want to be completely pick poor after making a deal for someone like that they need more assets so if that's even getting a couple seconds if it's getting an extra first for trading one of these guys because the amount of teams right now that can make a deal for a star is limited Brian Windhorst over at ESPN just put out a piece that. Because of a whole lot of minutia that most people don't care about, eight teams right now couldn't couldn't trade a single first-round pick even if they wanted to. So that takes almost a third of the league out of competition for your next star that comes available. And obviously wow. that number is going to vary in the next couple of years with whatever other deals get made and whatever picks get opened up. So if you're able to get a few extra picks, maybe you're the team that in a normal circumstance wouldn't have as good of an opportunity to get that next star, but maybe you could now just because of how many teams couldn't make that trade if they wanted to. So what do we got? The LeBron, the Lakers in town tonight, huh, Rick? Yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. And the bulls have a three game winning streak and I, that's it. It'll end at a three game winning streak (laughs) because assuming LeBron is the only one that's labeled as questionable, but he's labeled questionable for every game. That's not a national game. And I understand it for them because they have so many national games. And now that the NBA is saying, well, you know, you're going to get fined or there's going to be some trouble if you just rest on a national game for a team like the Lakers. And I'm not trying to get anybody to feel sorry for the Lakers, but you know, when you have a high percentage of your games being on national TV, that limits your opportunities for guys to be able to rest. So it wouldn't shock me if LeBron doesn't play, but it looks like Anthony Davis is going to play. And with the Bulls being on the second night of a back-to-back, they haven't done well in those scenarios this year. So, And the Lakers are just really damn good. So they're a fun team to watch. The Bulls are fun to watch. And it'll be good to see another Patrick Williams, hopefully Patrick Williams-LeBron matchup. Mm-hmm. But I think Anthony Davis could feast in this game with it being unlikely that Wendell Carter plays and the Bulls kind of lack a size. Well, what time are you on tonight, Rick? 
Uh, Chuck Swirsky's pregame starts at 7.45. Remember, a lot of these games got pushed back an hour because the uh, NBA wants to give as much time for yeah. uh, testing to come in as humanly possible. And I'll be on for postgame. Oh, what will that probably be around like 10.15, 10.20, something like that? There you go. All right. And uh, you listen to Rick's live vivisection as we go along, Lakers and Bulls. Rick, thanks for giving us your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Rick. That's Rick Camp of the score Bulls post game show tonight. Lakers Bulls tonight. So I have a vexing question. Our phone number is 312-644-6767. Saturday suckage and especially Wake and Bake Club members. I have a vexing question after this. Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way pick your favorite team your favorite players and get customized highlights stories and breaking news right on your home feed Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. At 1240 or so, we will have J.J. Stankovic, one of our favorites, and we will discuss his current situation, which sucks. Uh, we'll discuss that with him at 1240. But I have this vexing question, Mark Grody. Welcome in. Okay. Welcome back to Saturday Suckage, Wake and Bake Club. So John Lester is paying for $2 million this year. The Nationals are paying him $2 million that the Cubs didn't want to pay. And Ryan Pace and 
Matt Nagy still have their jobs despite being the captains and co-captains of a plane crash. So the Cubs are the Bears. Yet the former, the Cubs, won't spend money on a baseball roster because of, I don't know, rooftop debt, hotel debt, some business failure, apparently. The latter has no clue how to run a football franchise, even after 100 years of being in the business. So I have this vexing question for Saturday Suckage listeners. Which ownership of a billion-dollar-plus legendary franchise is more disgraceful and why? Look at the way both of them are acting. And I can't figure out which one's worse. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have any ang- more, what, does your anger lean more one way than the other? Well, I've been a little bit more passionate, I have to say, about the Cubs. Because? That's because of one thing. It's not John Lester leaving, because I don't really care about that. He's 37 years old. The Cubs got the most out of him in his peak year, six years and $155 million worth of a terrific signing. And I'm just like, in terms of his effectiveness throughout, we all wish the best for John Lester, but I don't have a problem with them moving on from John Lester. And that's what they did. They weren't too cheap to resign him. They just decided they didn't want John Lester back. Let's not, let's not get it twisted here. Here's what I don't like about what's going on with the Cubs is that they, they kind of are telling you that they're breaking it down and they're going in a different direction. But then when I hear Jed Hoyer say, we think we can compete in this division, that pisses me right off because how, how can you tell Cubs fans right now that you're going to compete in a division where, I get it, the division ain't great, but your pitching staff, Steve, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, and then nothing. And even that's kind of a lot of nothing except for Kyle Hendricks. And they're sitting up there saying, while they're letting you. That's a lot of nothing. And people say, well, Al's a lie. Really? Al's a lie? Braylon Marquez? I don't think so. So I like, and this this is while like players, while he's talking, players are leaving. You know, there goes you Darvish. There goes, hey, your new left fielder is Philip Irvin. So don't do it halfway in terms of what you're saying. I don't think Cub fans want to be patronized like that. Yep, we're gonna we could still compete in this division with Kyle Hendricks as our starting pitcher. They've not been patronized. They've been lied to by Tom Ricketts. In November, he said, "No, I don't think anybody's tearing anything down." Really? What is this then? And it's just that's what's disgraceful as a failure to be honest. And and Jed's, I think we can compete in this division. Well, the subtext is, like you said, the division's awful. Yeah. But you look at that pitching staff, and you can't. You're you're claiming poverty. I mean, yeah. what's next? Tom Tom Ricketts at the uh, the uh, Addison off ramp of the Kennedy with a tin cup. I I just you're you're not acting like billionaires. And that the, what John Lester represents to me is the last vestige of trying to look like a major league franchise like an owner who cares about the roster Kyle uh, not uh, Kyle Schwarber is gone but everything that was all the money that was spent and then there's the whole marquee thing the baseball roster is where everything has to start that's your most important part and all the money went everywhere else you know I can't I never will forget Joe Ricketts 
we'd come to find out later is a racist, and we have the receipts to prove it. Talking, and you and I played this on one of the shows we did. We did an evening show, and we came across this tape. We played the audio of it, where Joe Ricketts was with Tom, and he was talking about how there was a lot of doubt whether Tom was going to get his business degree from the University of Chicago, because they just didn't know if he'd be able to handle everything. But when Tom came to him with the idea of a team that sucks every year and sells every ticket, that was Joe's idea of a good, a good business. Where, did, where can he invest in, even though he hates baseball? And the idea of Tom not being a good businessman is, it along with John McDonough saying the the best marketing scheme ever was winning. Look at what's been devoted to the baseball roster compared to all the millions and billions, perhaps, that have been devoted to everything else around that. The baseball roster should have come first. And that's what is galling to me. That's what I think is, is a disgrace. When you're running a baseball team, the baseball roster has to be first. And I don't think it is. Hey, guys, See, if I, I uh, whenever we're done with the Cubs, I can make the case for the Bears. I just want to say that. So go I, ahead. All right. Make the make what case for the Bears? For that, the Bears that, being the, the bigger disgrace in this. All now, right. Well, everything, then, everything. And forgive me if I go off on a rant because I've had a Bears rant brewing for about two weeks and haven't had the outlet for it yet. Well, you keep leaving us early, and now you're here. Alice must, have, Alice must have told you to finally stay and finish the job because yeah, you wouldn't do have your thought job, of that son. yourself. I have been doing my job. <laughs> so, in, in, anyway, uh, okay, so this is why I think it's the Bears are the biggest. And everything you guys said about the Cubs and ownership is 100% correct. Like, they're disgraceful the way that they're handling the team right now, in my opinion. But the reason I put this more on the Bears' side is because – they have been it's, – it's, this is not like in the Cubs situation where the Ricketts more recently in the last decade came, to, came into owning the team. The Bears have been under the same ownership for over 100 years and have somehow found a way to fall into utter incompetence without realizing their own damn incompetence, and they keep doing the same thing and expecting it to work. I recognized at the age of like 15 – that they needed new ownership. A 15-year-old kid, I'm sitting there like, I don't think that they know what they're doing. And they just kept getting lucky with guys, with the, like getting really good late draft picks and having guys like J Jerry Angelo just botch first-round draft picks and botch the quarterback position over and over. And they keep coming back and doing it, and they keep running it back with Ted Phillips and running it back with guys like Ryan Pace, despite the fact he obviously can't evaluate the quarterback position thoroughly enough. So when it comes down to it, you look at 100 years of largely mediocre football past the, the 1960s, and yes, I know the Cubs were awful for a long time, but if we're talking like two specific ownership right now, like the Cubs' current ownership versus the Bears, who they've always had, haven't been able to figure out since George Hallis died. They just haven't. And Mike McCaskey did it for a while, yes, I know, but then he stepped away, and the guys that are currently running the team can't figure it out. And despite the fact that they keep keep falling into utter mediocrity, they keep doing the same thing. So at least the Cubs are telling you, hey, telling you without telling you, hey, we're just in it for the money. The Bears are trying to win and don't recognize that they're incompetent. You may now leave the show. You may now go home.
No, I think you did an excellent job. You're you're allowed to stay. <laughs> no, you, you did. Can, no, you did. <clears throat> you, you can stay to the end, and I think I think you made an excellent case. And I think that the the Venn diagram for this is what you're about to see this week on Marquee, right? Marquee is the network that Tom Ricketts and the Cubs couldn't wait to get. Crane Kenny would see, would said would be a wheelbarrow of money that he could give to the baseball side. This marquee network, and and that's what they were going to start it. Tom Ricketts said you won't be booing marquee in a year. He said that a year ago, and people are booing marquee. So he was wrong about that. But here's what I think is perfect. On Tuesday, do you know what Tuesday's date is? By the way. Yeah, I do, actually. What is that? Um, what is I always keep that in mind. I believe 35 years ago that day, the Bears will have won Super Bowl twenty. On that night, on marquee, they will be showing 85, the greatest team in football history, a documentary of the 1985 Bears, which was won in 1986. So, yes, it would be the 35th anniversary of the one and only Super Bowl, the McCaskey Bears won. And the timing of this is perfect. It's not just on the Cubs network, but 2021 will also mark the fifth anniversary of the Cubs one singular and now depressing World Series title. So the, the one-and-dones that we thought were just going to go on forever, this is perfect. The Cubs network showing the one Bears Super Bowl. This is just perfect. There's your Venn diagram, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Now, you say it's a, it's a documentary that Marquis is showing? It, I'd prefer they just show the game, seriously. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, yes, wouldn't that be more yeah. interesting? Like, is it their own? Is this like a documentary that's played? Because there's been 85 Bears. Like, I think was it was a 20 for 20, what, 30 for 30. Um, ESPN did the 85 Bears. So is it is it their own? Is this a new documentary that Marquis put together? Are they recycling? or that, Maybe this documentary I'm... will actually mention the offense more than twice. Yeah, yeah you know, that, that would be that would be great. Yeah, and it wouldn't just be, be, be about, uh, um, yeah. A defensive coordinator, basically. I, I don't Ryan. know. I just, anything that Marquis is showing, Marquis, the home of the one Cubs World Series, is showing the Bears one Super Bowl. It just was too perfect to pass up. And it has, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't know if it's new or not. Maybe it's extensive. They certainly got the time on Marquis because there aren't any Cubs highlights to show. And it's just, it's a remarkable thing that they could be entwined like this that is and, amazing and that brings that 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 brings together the whole question of 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 which ownership is more disgraceful and i think we can have this argument for a long time it would seem to me it's going to go on for the rest of this year this calendar year i suspect i got a let's, i got a text yeah. here i think i need to read before you do the let's thing that you're just the whatever let's, it is let's let's. Thing. is yeah, that what they teach the in broadcast thing. school okay yeah. kids when you do want to do the let's thing yeah okay yeah. i'll do the let i'll hold start, off on start. the let's when you're about to go to break say let's and then <laughs> let's. dot 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 so i'll yeah. i'm looking forward to whatever your let's is but right um ahead. this this from the 513 because we ask people what they're doing while they're listening where they are uh-huh. this one says i speak 
for suckage fans who aren't necessarily WBers. Us day drinkers shouldn't be overlooked. True, we're not tuning in from a big box parking lot. So, yes, but day we, drinkers, but, but shout out. But we do out. tailgate. But they, 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 the text continues with, but they do tailgate. Oh, okay, there it is. I, I didn't yeah. see the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So we Boom. appreciate that, and we didn't need to, we certainly didn't mean to discriminate because, look, self-medication is the best medication. That's in these yeah. tra- challenging times, um, you find what works for you. And when we discuss the disgrace of the Bears and the and the Cubs, I, I certainly, we, the next step certainly is self-medication. So we sorry if we you felt we were discriminating yeah. All right, on with the let's. On with the let's. Let's let's take a break and come back with JJ Stankovitz, who was done wrong by a local cable outfit that decided he doesn't want to practice journalism anymore. We'll talk to JJ and we will see how he's doing, get his thoughts on the Bears, and I don't know, maybe see if if we can help him get a job somehow for whatever whatever we can whatever we can do. We suck, so you don't have to, and we'll find out if we can help J.J. Stankovitz after this. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mark Rohde mentioned earlier, I got a great response. So what are you doing? How are you listening to us? What are you doing? And 217 notes, I'm getting stoned and getting a pedicure while listening. Somebody's listening in Longboat Key, listening on the beach in Longboat Key, so we really hate you, Tim. But here's one, Mark, 773, listening while keeping a watchful eye on the guilty-looking guy that rents a room in our southeast side home. He keeps muttering something about a one-armed man. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. All what right. about the one arm guy? Does he got one of these? Does he got the, he's got the little do? <laughs> yeah, he got the little do hickey, little do hickey on there? Detective find Rosetti. That, find that man. Oh, that's great. All right, uh, we're going to the guest hotline brought to you by Alpamani Nissan. We're going to bring on a favorite of ours, man who had a. Maybe we can finally get an answer to that question. It was a while ago that he was on with us, and we would always hope that it becomes a regular thing. He is J.J. Stankovitz, formerly of NBC Sports Chicago, and let the sports Twitter world know that that's not the case anymore, that his time there ended, and it made me sad and angry and ridiculous, and we wanted to bring him on, and I wanted to tell you it made me sad and angry, and I think it's ridiculous. J.J., thanks for coming on. How you doing? How are you dealing with things? Yeah, I'm I'm okay, all things considered. Um, I think if you get into this business, you kind of know the axe can come for you at any moment, um, no matter how confident you are in the work that you're putting out. So, I you know, I wasn't shocked because I've seen it happen to too many of my friends to be shocked by being told, you know, you're you're done here. Yeah. Um... No, I mean, it's like we're all watching our backs. It's just the, the nature of the business, no doubt about it. It's got to be weird, though, man, Like, because 
all of us as beat writers, we're always on high alert, like literally 24 hours a day on what's going on with the Bears from the minutia to things like Sean Desai being named. Is it weird to like when like when the Desai stuff starts breaking, is it weird to not be tweeting about it or the impulse to get on the news? Yeah, my impulse, you know, I like hopped on Twitter and I saw that and it was, you know, like 10 minutes prior, I think it was uh, – I don't remember if it was Kevin Fishbane or Adam Johns of The Athletic who were the first to report it. Um, and I was just like, oh, man, I'm 10 minutes. No, I'm not. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> it was, I just went right back to playing with my kids. It was super liberating. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice, actually, I, I would imagine. But, you know, I echo the same thing, uh, J.J., um, I have loved working with you. I love reading you. I think you you do a great job on radio and TV. Like you're a multi-threat star in the business. So um, I mean, I'm sorry it happened. But I got I have to say, I say this about you, and I've said this about other people who've lost their jobs. Quite frankly, JJ, I'm not worried about you, man. It's like you're young enough, you're bright enough, you're good enough. You'll find uh, another gig, and I'm sure that that all that kind of stuff kind of rings hollow right now um until you do get that next gig but i i I ain't worried about you brother i appreciate that mark and and i also just want to take the opportunity to say like i wasn't the only one who lost his job at nbc sports chicago this week you know Mm -hmm. scott king who did a tremendous job covering the blackhawks for us and then my good friend and podcast co-host cam ellis was part of it too um if i can just take a quick moment to say if anyone is listening to this who needs to hire someone for a content producing position you need to hire cam ellis because he will do a great job for you he's a great teammate a great co-worker and someone who any company would be very very lucky to have employed by them yeah no doubt no i'm glad you mentioned cam he's been on the radio station a ton of times he's he's always mm-hmm. been that guy kind of on the periphery but anytime he's come on he's been awesome he's a great writer he's hilarious He's the full package too, and he's like he's like super young, isn't he? Like in his twenties. Yeah, I always made fun of Cam because you know I was like, "You're the youth on the podcast," and he's like, "I'm only like four years younger than you." But then at one point during a Bears uh, training camp practice, he was like, "Do you consider yourself a millennial?" I'm like, "Cam, remember, I'm like four years older than you." Yes, I'm a millennial. <laughs> yeah, so are you. Right. Okay, well, is, are you the one walking with a cane, JJ? I, maybe that'll help make it easier for Cam to identify you. I mean, my back hurts all the time, but you know that I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily because I'm, you know, a couple years older than him. We're talking with JJ Stankovitz. Uh, we're talking bears and jobs and like you know, there was a really good, um, a, a really good response from your community. I thought that spoke to the way people think of you and the work you did. Um, it's not just that everybody in local journalism comes out and and expresses and expresses condolences but also lauds an ability of anybody who loses a job so i i would hope you found that heartening because i thought the response that i saw was worthy and excellent i i did steve and and you know everyone who reached out i mean literally thousands of people reached out um which is incredibly humbling and uh also I'll be honest, kind of a weird ego boost. Like, I'm sitting there Thursday night trying to respond to, you know, everyone who was kind enough to send a tweet or a text or a DM. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is weird. I'm getting told, you know, by so many people, like, man, like, we loved your work. We love you on the Under Center podcast. We love you on all this, these things. And I kind of forgot why for a moment. Like, 
why they were telling me this. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I lost my job. Uh, <laughs> it, but it was, it was kind of nice because Thursday, you know, I was still kind of processing everything. And it, that helped to get through, you know, the, the mental gymnastics of figuring out, you know, of even trying to think about figuring out what's next or, you know, why this might have happened and all that. It, it was very nice. And, uh, you know, specifically everyone who listened to the podcast that Cam and I did, um, you know, that that was really, really heartening to have that those, you know, that many people reach out and say that we love the work that you did because Cam and I put a lot of work into that podcast. We put a lot of care into it. And it was really nice to see the uh, the response, unfortunately, to us no longer being a part of it. But, um, you know, just the, the recognition of how much we put into that podcast was really, really nice. Yep, anywhere, anytime, man, doing that podcast. I remember when we actually congregated at Hallis Hall and seeing like you and Cam and Moon occasionally find your little mm-hmm. nook over at Hallis Hall. You see the yeah, Sometimes the guys doing their th- Right, yeah, you guys would go in the coat room. Emma and I would find our little spot, everybody doing their, their podcasts about Hallis Hall. I'm definitely going to miss that, if we ever return to Hallis Hall, that is. Yeah, right, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you return to Hallis Hall uh, sooner rather than later. Well, yeah. Hopefully you do too. I don't. I don't know. I hope the job market out there is such that <clears throat> that they would be looked to be hiring somebody who would who would report it on and done an excellent job on what clearly is the number one team in town. And that's what's kind of that's what bothers me. From a if I stand back and look at the the way certain and the Tribune's been miserable thanks to Alden Capital. They've been they've been gutting it and I see what NBC Sports Chicago has done and when you and Cam are cut moon before that moon Mullen before that the idea that you would cut people covering the most important team in town means you don't give it journalism isn't part of it reporting is a part of it I mean the the relevant facts the 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 kind of updates and 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 the kind of of reporting that gives fans a greater feeling of greater knowledge and greater insight that just doesn't seem to matter if that's what you're doing with the number one team in town uh, i'm not looking for you to badmouth the former employer i know that that's not the way most people want to go out but i feel frustrated by that because i think the more information the more reporting the better we all are as sports fans and those of us who do it for a living once a week yeah i mean i'm Look, NBC is not the only company that's had to cut costs, you know, especially in the pandemic. I don't begrudge a single person at NBC Sports Chicago. You know, I owe a debt of gratitude to Kevin Cross, to Michael Allardyce, to every, you know, John Shipman, the folks there at NBC Sports Chicago who have supported my career, done so much for my career. Look, sometimes this just happens. It, it, it. Some, you know, you, I, I appreciate the frustration and all that, but again, I've been around this business long enough to know that like this just happens, and it's it's nothing personal. It's just kind of the nature of being in sports journalism that this stuff is going to happen. So, you know, not for one second do I I leave NBC Sports Chicago with any bitterness. It's all fond memories and and i hope that they continue to do well because we i should i guess i'm not saying we anymore but they they at nbc sports chicago have a really (laughs) really talented group of people working for them um with a lot of integrity a lot of ingenuity 
and it, it, it was a great place to work. I, I will miss it dearly, but I, I know they're going to continue to do very good things for Chicago sports fans. Um, my not being a part of it won't change that really one bit. I, um, yeah, I mean, and I hope that there someday is a, a comeback with all these business, including NBC Sports Chicago, that because they've lost a lot of things. I mean, the, the sports talk live show and a lot of the talents over there, TV and and writing. And it's yeah, it's sad to me. I, I hate to see it. And I, I, I think Kevin Cross is a good dude, too. And he's probably doing what he has to do over there to keep that place viable. But I do hope and believe that someday there will be a, a comeback for a lot. Like you mentioned the Tribune and all of these places once we get through all that. All that said, JJ, do you want to stay in the business, man? I assume that, that you're still 100% uh, or maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I, look, if anyone out there is looking to hire someone who has good written and, written and oral communication skills, shoot me an email at jjstankovitz at gmail.com. Um, I'm not in a position where I'm going to turn down any inquiries or any interest or really any conversations with anyone. Um, the one thing I will say is having two little kids, um, job security is, is going to be a very important thing for me as I try to figure out the next steps in my career. Um, you know, sports journalism, for as great of an industry as it is, doesn't always offer that. So, you know, I, that's not me saying I'm, you know, I'm out, but um, I, I do have a family to take care of, and that is much more important to me than pretty much anything else. So when you lose your job with two 13-month-olds screaming upstairs as you're being told you've lost your job, uh, it kind of puts everything into perspective that you, you got to yeah. take care of them. And, uh, you know, for as fun as it's been covering the Bears and covering Notre Dame and, and baseball in this town, um, there is part of me that wonders if, you know, if that Bears-Saints game was the last game I'll ever cover. Well, that people would be getting a pro if they hired you. His, uh, You can find him on Twitter at at. Capital J, capital J, capital S, T A N K E V I T Z. And the email again, JJ? JJ Stankovitz at gmail.com. Uh, it's a very hard last name to spell. So if you just Google JJ S T A N K, it's probably going to show up. Um, I haven't, guys, I haven't updated my LinkedIn in like eight years. Oh my God! Uh, I I logged into it and I was like, "Holy Christ, this really needs a makeover." Yeah. Um, Because the other thing, I I never worked anywhere besides CSN Chicago slash NBC Sports. I was a college intern there in 2010, and then got hired back uh, in 2011 by uh, my old boss TK Gore, who's just absolutely tremendous. Um, And I I owe most of my career to TK, if I'm being totally honest. Um, And I, I just never left. I started covering Notre Dame, then doing some baseball stuff and got moved over to the Bears beat. Um, so my resume, for anyone who is, you know, like, oh, I might want to hire him, just, just know my resume is going to look a little weird. Like, it's going to be the same company, just different positions within it. Okay, one last question, because last I think it was the last time you were on we weren't sure, you weren't sure we knew you were a pro we weren't sure how much of a pro you were cuz you were holding one of your twins in your arms and you just weren't sure what mm-hmm. exactly happened as you completed the interview so i guess this would be the coda to that can you share with the class 
Yeah, I, I left that interview. I think I might have said it. I didn't know if uh, whichever twin I was holding, not going to name names because they might listen to this someday, had grown out, grown out of his diaper. Uh, did not know that. I, I felt something as we were on the, the, the radio, and like, I don't know. That might have happened. The good news is that that did not happen in that instance. It happened in many other instances, but not while I was on the radio with you guys. But just at the threat of it, just so you know, people, I'm not lying to you. The man's a pro. He completed the interview, and there you go. JJ, we wish you the best of luck. I appreciate that, Stephen Mark. And by the way, Sean Desai, really good hire for the Bears. I like it. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thumbs go. up. Thanks, JJ. Thanks, JJ. All right, had to get that last last piece of yeah, Bears analysis. There you Thanks, go. guys. Good for you. Keep it positive. I like there it. There you go. That's J.J. Stankovitz. Uh, J.J. Stankovitz at gmail.com. Hire the man. He's good, and we like having him on the show, so we want more reasons to have him on the show talking Bears or Notre Dame or baseball or whatever you got. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, let's do, Mark, we're doing the let's do part of the, the uh, segment here. Let's do what are you doing, Wagner. We have a busy hour, and it got busier. Wagner got busy got busier, and then we have Les Grobstein also in the hour, and we have Billy Williams coming up. So let's do all that. I have a, uh, for for our Wagner, what are you doing Wagner segment, I have a note, I have a note from Toby. Oh, wow, that's what we're doing, Wagner. And studs, you better be ready too, because... <laughs> yes. Coming like at you. Is he calling me out like, again? That's fine if he uh, is. This is like bit, cut and paste. Yeah, yeah, cut and paste. Yeah, this might be an old email, actually. Yeah. I, should, I should probably look. Coming uh, at you. He's, ya. he's Mark Rody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. <laughs> Saturday second, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.